Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Welcome to the Colin Economics Report, a weekly look at financial and political topics relating to asset-based investing. Guests on this program pay no fees to appear, and guests and hosts disclose any equity interest in companies profiled. Now, the Colin Economics Report. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the weekend edition of the KE Report. Corey Fleck and Chad Markwitz here, your host for the weekend's edition, also your host on our website, kereport.com, and podcast, The KE Report, throughout the week, recording market updates on any market moves that are noteworthy, as well as company updates from a wide range of mostly resource stocks that we follow. On this weekend show, we're going to stick a lot to the market, simply because, well, we clearly seem to still be in very much a bull market. We're kicking off this show with Dana Lyons, fund manager based out of Chicago, also editor of the Lion Share Pro website, which we will link to within our website and podcast postings. Dana, let's start off with the S&P 500. Earlier this week, it has made a run to almost 5,000. Seems like almost day after day, the markets are putting in new all-time highs. The pullbacks have been relatively shallow, at least throughout this year, the first about month and a half here. Dana, are we getting close to any sort of a top for the markets? Yeah, thanks, Corey. Short answer: I don't, I don't see it. I don't see a top, but we do definitely see um, some areas of concerns, and certainly those areas are not uh, have probably been um, widely spoken about and widely shared and recognized, and that mostly has to do with some of the uh, divergences in breadth, small cap divergences, uh, the internals kind of weakening, and and that certainly is going on, and it has impacted our what we call an intermediate term risk model, which basically orients us whether we're aggressively bullish or very defensive. And right now it is still, our model is still constructive, but it has weakened quite a bit. It's not roaring higher like it was in uh, November, December, but given the breathless, uh, no pun intended commentary on the weak breath of late, it's I think noteworthy to see that our indicators, our, our models have held up so far. So I think we would be seeing more of a weakening, more of a deterioration deterioration there in our models if a top was at hand. So I would say right now, there are concerns, genuine concerns about breadth and um, the divergences in the broader market and the small caps, but not enough to have us running for the exits necessarily or uh, uh, looking for a near-term market top, especially with, you know, as you mentioned, the chart action, the price action, and especially the large caps, but really a, 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 not a, a narrow o- array of market segments. Uh, there are plenty of good charts out there still, and um, plenty to choose from, even if you do have some concerns about uh, some of the lagging of the small caps. Well, Dana, let's dive into the small caps just briefly, because people have given that a lot of airtime uh, when they talk about the market breadth. Have been laggards here 
Uh, one school of thought is that you just want to stick with the sector leaders, that they're the ones that are going to keep outperforming and that the small caps may be dead money for a while. What do you make of the Russell 2000 right now? Absolutely. And and obviously the performance of the small caps, especially the Russell since the, the beginning of the year, has uh, left a lot to be desired. And, and the divergence is the, the lower high that we've got in place right now is, is certainly concerning. But as you mentioned, it doesn't necessarily, especially with our models still positive, doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, mean you stick a fork in them. It could just be, okay, things got a little bit extended. Uh, the small caps got a little bit ahead of themselves going into the new year, needed a breather. And now just like in November, when the when the small caps rotated into some leadership, uh, it's possible that they rotate into some leadership again. I mean, Lord knows the large cap averages can't, you know, carry the entire burden by themselves. And uh, given the fact that uh, many of the indicators have held up, even with some of the weakening in the breath, have held up uh, okay so far, it's possible that uh, the, the small caps in the broader market does reemerge and uh, help contribute to another extension higher in that uh, post-October bull market. So is it uh, the divergence concerning? Yeah. Do I stick a fork in it? The small caps right now, no, especially with some of the uh, the late week, I'd say rebound. Some of the levels that did end up holding uh, in the Russell 2000 gives it some, gives those small caps some hope of, uh, again, rotating back into, uh, if not leadership, at least a good participant in the rally. Dan, I find this so interesting that sounds like you're seeing way more opportunities out there than the Bears saying, well, it's only being led by the Magnificent Seven. Care to share with us any of the other sectors that you see maybe as being some of the best of the best right now? Sure. And like you mentioned, it's it's a far cry from what we were seeing last July in which all you had was a handful of Mega cap stocks, tech stocks really leading the way. Now, you know, there's a wide array of, a fairly wide array of uh, areas that are still working, whether it's, you know, technology obviously is working well. Uh, you got the industrials and obviously all the, uh, the mega caps, the large caps, but the industrial space working pretty well. Home builders are working well. Uh, and then you go overseas, there are plenty of uh, opportunities overseas, especially on the currency-adjusted basis, whether it's Japan, many of the European indices. People might be surprised that are hitting new all-time highs or 52-week highs. So you have an opportunity there, uh, opportunities in, in uh, India, uh, which continues to hit uh, new highs. Even, you know, we've held this Argentina fund for a while that's consolidating near all-time highs and uh, maybe setting up another leg higher right now. So, like I said, there's yeah, the, 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 the breadth of the internals have not been strong over the last six weeks or so, but there are still plenty of what we would call relative strength-worthy, investable-worthy segments out there in the market. So we have plenty of long positions still on hand right now. Well, Dana, it's nice to go around the world and, and see that there's opportunities abroad as well as domestically. But if we just drill down again into some more sectors uh, within the U.S. equities, obviously tech has been carrying the torch, and there's no doubt about it. The tech stocks, especially the large tech stocks, have just been on a huge rip higher. We've had some guests on that have been mentioning things like healthcare, insurance, defense, 
cybersecurity, different different areas that, that they think haven't maybe run as much as tech, but still present a good window of opportunity. Are you seeing anything in those kind of sectors, maybe more in the uh, the value side of the equation as much as the growth side? Yeah, well, you mentioned some right there. You know, cybersecurity has been uh, good. Obviously, the semiconductors have been uh, leadership, uh, but software is emerging in uh, in that in the tech space. Outside of that, some of the value stuff, uh, like you mentioned, insurance has been running to new highs for a while now. It's kind of under the radar. So that uh, I like, we like positions that are under the radar that are still hitting new highs. That it tells us that there's more more potential. There's more money once they that story does get out. There's plenty of money that can uh, rotate into into those areas. So those types of things, and and there are a couple a couple others. We got other. Uh, Funds that we own, aerospace and defense, which is consolidating in all-time high ground. Another one, uh, uh, I know the consumer staples have lagged, but they've been emerging very recently, along with healthcare, like you mentioned. Uh, some of the small-cap consumer staples, I think, might be ready to take off as well. And then something like uranium that's been on a big run, um, kind of consolidating right here after a nice pop near the former highs and uh once that uh, consolidation over i think we could see another leg up in that in that space as well so like i said there's no shortage of fairly attractive looking investment opportunities out there despite again some of the weakening or diverging breath numbers that we've seen of late well dana we need to take a commercial break for everyone listening on the radio so everyone stick around we are going to be right back Al Corlin's firm, A.B. Corlin and Associates Incorporated, provides consulting services to public companies on matters of regulatory compliance. To find out more, follow the link from www.kereport.com. The Corlin Economics Report will be back after this brief timeout. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. 
My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We We want want pizza! You see? Advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Weekly fix on finance and investing. This is the Corlin Economics Report. All right, welcome back. Continuing to listen to the weekend edition of the KE Report, and we are continuing to chat with fund manager Dana Lyons. Dana, that first segment was all about the opportunities that you are seeing in a wide range of sectors. Let's continue to talk about some other sectors, starting with the financial sector, though, because, again, it's a lot of what some people look at and say, well, we could see some more issues with the financial sector, something that happened early on last year, which did cause a short-term shock to the market. How do you view the health of the financials? Maybe maybe different than uh, some <laughs> a lot of the other commentators uh, that I've at least heard not on your show but uh, elsewhere. Just I think regional banks the the struggles in the regional banks have maybe taken over the talking points as far as the financials go. But if you look at some of the broader indices like the bank index or some of the broader broad financial type um, ETFs, I think they're in fine shape still. They've been kind of consolidating as well that strong move they had in the fourth quarter of last year but still holding up not not necessarily breaking down so that's not to us that's not 
an unhealthy thing. It's more of a healthy um, situation that could be setting up another break higher. And again, you look within the space, you look at the insurance space, uh, continues to run to new highs. So uh, there are definitely areas within that space that uh, that uh, you can either, uh, that we'd be holding like insurance or even that we might take a stab at buying here into a pullback, including some of the broader financial funds out there that, again, if we are going to have another leg up, they have held up okay despite the uh, recent weakness. And what we want to do at the end of the day is buy funds, buy securities that are in uptrends, but buy them when they pull back in the short term, the more attractive entry point. So you could argue that that's where some of the financial things are right now. Well, Dana, when you take a look at the bond market or the converse of that, the interest rate market, what is your outlook, I guess, in the short term? And then I know you have a different view for the longer term. Yeah, bond yields are extremely interesting right now. You know, we we think uh, the, the, the long bull market, 60-year uh, bull market, or 60-year cycle, I should say, topped. In uh, 2020, uh, the yields, uh, the bear market yields uh, bottomed in 2020. So I think we go up for many years or many decades to come. But the first level, if we're talking about the 10-year, the first big retracement level from the top in the 80s was around that uh, 4% level. So around where we are now, you know, we saw that breakout in the third quarter last year ran higher. Now we've pulled back uh, in the uh, fourth quarter, pulled back. And uh, since uh, basically since the start of the year, we've been undergoing a very interesting test of that four percentage level right now. And I think the jury is still out as to whether it holds this level and provides a springboard for another big leg higher in yields and obviously lower in bond prices or if it does break down, that sets the uh, stage for a false breakout and yields could pull back substantially in the short term, you know, uh, despite our long term view, you know, nothing goes in a straight line. So I would say the jury is still out. One thing that I've mentioned on the show before that I think bonds had going for this, the, the huge volume that we saw in the fourth quarter last year uh, when they're bottoming and when they're rallying. And then we've uh, kind of cooled off uh, since the start of the year. But uh, if that volume has any merits, could speak to a false breakout in yields and a big pullback eventually again in yields and uh, could lead to another nice rally. Man, oh man, look at that volume in Q4 and even heading into this year. That is impressive. I'm looking at the TLT chart. Let's also talk about gold stocks. We do like to get your technical outlook on those, something like GDX or GDXJ. Very much still just trading within this range. So you can argue it's been in going back to 2022. Uh, Dana, what are you seeing? Are you playing GDX or GDXJ at all? Yeah, we've held a position, a smaller position in GDX as well as uh, some of the silver miners for a while. There's not a lot to get excited about, <laughs> to be honest, right now. I wish I had something different to say. Our Excitement is certainly uh, a, a little bit more elevated in gold itself. We think um, we're setting the stage for a major breakout. Um, I think others are seeing that as well. Which maybe maybe when once you know observers forget about gold, that's when we break out again. But uh, I think technically, you look at the charts. I think it is setting the stage for another uh, breakout and a big leg higher. 
which obviously should pull the miners along for for the ride. When that happens, when that uh, kicks off, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, certainly we've been consolidating uh, for a while that that rally that we saw a couple of years ago, really four years or so that we've been uh, moving sideways. So I think that's coming, and I think the miners will go with it. So we are holding smaller positions in uh, in those miners stocks or funds and uh, treating it more or less as an as a call option right now because I think it does go eventually uh, but it's just a matter of getting um, maybe gold to break out and then pulling those miners along with them. Well Dane another sector that a lot of folks on our site follow is the energy space oil and nat gas and the related stocks. How are you looking at the energy sector? Staying away from the Widowmaker uh, nat gas they call it the widow maker for a reason, so uh, not too interested there at the moment. Crude oil, it's kind of like I look at a lot of charts every day. It's it's funny how similar uh, charts of the different asset classes look outside of the equity space. You know, you look at uh, whether it's the bond yields, you look at the dollar, you look at um, some like crude oil, you look at uh, some of the cryptos. A lot of it's been in a trading range and flipping up or down above or below a certain pivot levels. So kind of at the end of the day, it's pretty much range bound and uh, it's hard to get super uh, excited either way. And so it's hard to get super, super aggressive either way in those markets that are pretty much range bound. So crude oil, I would say I would put in that category. It seemed to break down below some pivot levels uh, on the charts. We did uh, short it for a bit, uh, might be trying to recover that level now. So um, uh, in all those markets, all those range-bound markets, uh, uh, my advice, I guess, would be keep your um, position sizing small uh, until you have like a clear trend emerging, a clear indication of uh, a trending market, whether it's up or down, because right now, as we're stuck in the range, it's hard to get, again, hard to get, hard to be too confident about uh, moves up or down uh, when it keeps whipping back and forth within the range. All right, Dan, that'll wrap us up here. Thank you so much for taking time and sharing how you are playing and even viewing a wide range of sectors. Big takeaway for me being, look, there are a lot of opportunities out there right now. And we have seen broad averages continue to move higher into all-time highs and continue past those. So clearly a bull market as of right now. But hey, we chat with you every few weeks. So we'll see if anything changes next time we chat. Dana, thanks for taking time with us on this weekend show. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. To find out more about today's guests, visit us on the web at www.kereport.com. You're listening to the Corlin Economics Report. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on 
on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. USA News Update. The White House rejects the special counsel's report, which details specific issues with Joe Biden's memory. At Friday's daily briefing, White House counsel spokesman Ian Sams says Robert Hur should not have said the president is an elderly man with a poor memory. We just reject that this is true. And and I think that I think that it, it does raise questions about the gratuitousness and it raises, you know, makes you wonder why that's in there. In other news, folks across the United States busy shopping for Super Bowl snacks, stuff to put on the grill, chip and dip and plenty of beverages. And while the game is in play, there's been plenty of prep to keep everyone inside the stadium in Las Vegas safe. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Our priority is the safety and security of everyone in attendance, and that is what we are focused upon. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I need help with my taxes. Where can I find free tax help? If you make $54,000 a year or less, you can participate in the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, VITA, or the Tax Counseling for the Elderly, TCE, programs. IRS-certified volunteers provide free basic tax prep for low- to moderate-income taxpayers. The TCE program is specifically for taxpayers age 60 and older. Go to irs.gov and enter Free Tax Prep in the search box to find a VITA or TCE site near you. We depend on our drinking water supply daily, but where does that water come from? Your water provider encourages you to get to know your local water source so together we can protect and preserve it. The investments we make as a community to protect our water source now ensure we have a sustainable drinking water supply for the future. Visit drinktap.org to learn more. This message is brought to you by the American Water Works Association and your local water provider. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Providing unique reporting on markets and companies since 1990. This is the Corlin Economics Report. 
All right, welcome back. Continuing to listen to the weekend edition of the KE Report. I hope everybody enjoyed those first two segments with Dana Lyons as he provided more trading strategies for a wide range of markets. We're going to shift our focus a little bit in the last two segments as we are now chatting with Mark Chandler, managing partner at Bannockburn Global Forex, also editor of the Mark to Market website. Now, Mark, we wanted to talk with you about the real estate sector in the U.S., especially commercial real estate. But let's just start off broadly here with a recent article that you published on Barron's talking about community banks. So the smaller institutions here that do have more exposure to the real estate market. Mark, just start us off with a general summary of what you wrote in that article, please. Sure. So I wrote it with a colleague of mine, Nancy Seeley, who's an accountant on our, on our team. And the gist of the argument is something like this. Uh, we all know about the big banks. They had problems last year, and the Federal Reserve came up with a new facility that ends uh, next month uh, to help them out. The small banks... These are like the, the regional banks. Your small banks in your neighborhood, we call them community banks, uh, tend to be relatively relatively smaller, of course, than the large banks, maybe at $10 billion or smaller uh, market cap. And so what's happened is that a lot of the commercial real estate loans were made by these, by these, by these community banks. And they are not, because they're not systemically important, they tend not to get as scrutinized and have a lighter regulatory uh, burden uh, than the large banks, which seems to make sense. The problem is, is that these small regional banks have little offsets. We've seen after last year's experience, we've seen the uninsured uh, deposits leave. We know that the small banks don't have the huge trading operations that a lot that a lot of the large U.S. banks have. So the, this uh, the problem then is that the uh, exposure to commercial real estate, which is not, you know, why is commercial real estate having problems? Partly, it's the type of commercial real estate we're speaking about is primarily office buildings. Now I know there's some people who think that the rent-controlled uh, New York apartments was a major cause of uh, of a New York bank uh, problems that were big in the news, but it's a much bigger problem. And it's not just, you know, it's funny to me is that many of us are well aware of China's property market problems, but for the most part, it seems contained to China and Chinese investors. But the U.S. real estate market is not just about community U.S. community banks, but of course, there's global investors in there. We've already seen uh, Japanese and uh, German banks having to boost their loan loss provisions because of the U.S. real estate market. So the problem seems to linger, and uh, I'd say the Federal Reserve is, knows about it. Not only did Fed Chairman Powell uh, speak about it at the uh, at 60 Minutes uh, last weekend, but also the Federal Reserve does a stability report twice a year. And the last one, I think, came out in November last year, and commercial real estate was the highest. It was like, you know, in their survey of market participants, it was the most important of the potential systemic risks. So this is a problem that's probably going to still be like unfolding. It's hard to know who's sort of like at Warren Buffett said, right? When the tide goes out, you see who's not swimming with a suit on. Last week, the regional bank index fell by about seven and a quarter percent. We're down most of this week, but we're down about two percent now uh, on the week. Uh, so another down week for us, but it's just something to keep an eye on and how it could affect other people besides those who have 
who, who know about their real estate exposure. One is that pension funds and other uh, asset managers have bought other derivatives that might have commercial real estate embedded inside of it. Sort of in the same way that during the great financial crisis, some investors unknowingly, maybe in their pension fund or some other investment fund that they are involved with, had some U.S. uh, real estate exposure then too. And uh, levered and whatnot, and maybe it was one of those ninja loans, no income jobs or assets, and uh, they got loans, and those loans were repackaged and sliced and diced in numerous ways, giving a wider sense of exposure. It doesn't seem that the commercial real estate market issue is as big, but I think that will be, I think that many of people will find that they have unappreciated exposure. Uh, through some other passive investment they might have, whether it's a pension fund or some uh, mutual fund. Also, globally, it, it is, like I mentioned, there's some there's some exposures. But what does this mean? I, I would I, I have a list here of things that could get the Federal Reserve to move more aggressively to cut interest rates, and things that would slow them down. The strong jobs data, the above trend growth, that might slow them down from cutting rates. On the other hand, financial risk coming from commercial real estate could reach that tipping point and could become a more of an important factor in the, in the trajectory of Fed policy. So, Mark, on the contagion question then, clearly the markets don't seem all that concerned with the S&P now over 5,000, but can we put a number on just how big this issue could turn out to be if there will be contagion into the markets or if the Fed actually does step in and start up another kind of short-term facility to save these banks? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to put a number on it, but I would say that it's unlikely that the Federal Reserve comes up with a new program to help these small uh, regional banks. And I say that because, you know, after the great financial crisis, there is a, a rough agreement uh, among uh, among countries about how about how to how to uh, how to unwind a banking crisis or how to address a banking crisis and because these at an individual level these banks do not rise to the level of systemic importance and that's part of the problem is what's systemically important for the whole United States might be different for a community. In some communities, you know, like we have in the U.S., some places have one grocery store if you're lucky, you know, uh, close by. And uh, many communities are served by only one bank. And so some of these communities, if they lose that bank, uh, there could be a ripple effect through that community, but it won't, ra- it won't rise to the level of systemic importance. So I hear you, stock market, S&P, huh? Above 5,000, and still the bank stock's struggling. So I, I think that it speaks partly to what we've talked about before, and what I'm sure the uh, other guests have talked about as well, just the lack of breadth in the stock market with the, with the Magnificent Seven or the top 10 companies accounting for the bulk of the rallies. Bank stocks, especially small regional bank stocks, aren't part of that mix. And in fact, it'll be the last eight weeks, regional bank stocks have fallen for six of those weeks. So that brings us back into the middle of December. So, yeah, I, I think this is the problem. It's not just an important point I'd say, again, is not that these banks are systemic one at a time. But a whole group of them could become more could become a systemic risk, and even if they don't, the hardship that falls on the community that sees its community bank fail or go under out of business is problematic. For you know, it has a ripple effect through the community. 
Well, Mark, just talking about you know, bringing this all over to the markets and looking at you know the S&P above 5,000, it's not just the S&P that's broken out to new highs. It's also the Dow that, that did it at the end of last year and did it again earlier this year, last month. Same thing with the NASDAQ. So really, across the board and the weighted indexes, you've seen breakouts to new highs in the markets. As far as the market breadth uh, phenomenon, that's mostly relegated to the small caps and there are certain sectors like financials, or you could also argue energy, that have been laggards. One of the philosophies out there is that the laggards will remain laggards and that you'll see people continue to pile into what's working. Do you see that happening as the year unfolds, that people just keep piling into the sectors that are working and it's more of a dynamic market where there's the haves and the have-nots? Or do you think eventually this broadens out into a larger market rally? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, my, my sense is that this is late stage and uh, I wouldn't expect small cap stocks to do necessarily well in this last, this late stage of this expansion. Because remember what's going to happen, even if we don't know the exact timing of it, the Fed's going to be cutting interest rates, not just because inflation is slowing, but also because the economy itself is slowing. And we might not see that. I mean, there's, of course, all kinds of signs below the surface, but for GDP measures, it's not there yet. So I think it's more of a second half story. Okay, so push it back. Second half of this year, maybe that recession will hit or at least weaker economic data. Mark, we're out of time for this segment. Having you back on next segment to wrap up the first hour. So everyone stick around. We're going to be right back. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guide with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from wallofire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Wallofire.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. 
So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Final segment of the first hour of the weekend edition of the KE Report. Continuing to chat with Mark Chandler, managing partner at Bannockburn's Global Forex. Now, Mark, shifting more to the markets and a relationship that we saw last year where if the U.S. dollar and yields were up, the markets were down. However, this year, and yeah, we're only about a month and a half through the trading year, but we're seeing that relationship get turned on its head where the dollar... Yields and the markets have all been up together. What's changed? Part of the reason I think uh, you know you've got these uh, short-term correlations uh, in the financial markets which aren't stable. So I, I try to look for like phases and look for correlations within certain like uh, sort of like within a certain phase. There's you could count on the relationships, but then you move into a different phase and you can no longer count on those relationships. So I kind of think that should say call it the Q beginning of Q4 last year, I'd say that the driver has been, uh, first it was down with interest rates, down with the dollar, now higher interest rates, stronger dollar. And throughout this, to your point, Corey, is the stock market has just gone up. So uh, to me, it's the stock market that's not following the script. The dollar and interest rates are more closely tied, more stably tied, I think, uh, than than uh, interest rates to dollar are related to the stock market. I think the stock market seems to want to go up. And partly, I think that the U.S. has still got the commanding heights of the global economy. The U.S., you know, other countries, of course, have become more important, have risen GDP. Uh, but the U.S. still has the commanding heights of the economy and faster growth than Europe. 
And we would like to see that driven home next week. We get the final leads from the uh, Eurozone GDP. We get the UK Q4 GDP. We get uh, Japan's Q4 GDP. And uh, I think that it sounds kind of weird to say this, but once again, I think the U.S. is the driest towel in Iraq. And uh, by that, I mean that uh, the growth potential, what the U.S. growth record is, uh, Q4, what it's looking like early here in Q1, still out, you know, far and away is better than Europe. And because of that, I think that people think that that translates into higher profits, stronger stocks. And so I think that until proven otherwise, I think people stick with that. Well, Mark, isn't it also the case that the narrative changed from last year where it was really recession watch and are we going to have a soft landing or recession? And now most people have acknowledged that the recession is nowhere close to being even on the field. And it's more of a, you know, are we going to, like we talked about last week with you, are we going to have a soft landing? Or are we going to have an acceleration in the economy? It seems like the biggest sea change has been last year bad news was good news because it meant that the Fed may start cutting earlier. Now it seems like the market and even financial media has shifted to good news is good news because if you have better than expected jobs, better than expected GDP, better than expected consumer confidence, that's translating into, hey, this is a strong economy and companies should have profits. Isn't that kind of the change we're seeing in 2024? I think you're right. I think that it's changed, but I, you know, many people who I who I read and I respect, though I don't always agree with them, uh, haven't given up on this uh, recession call. Uh, they see a, they see a lot of problems lurking below the surface, and uh, are sort of like bemused, uh, confused uh, by how how the calculation shows GDP holding up so well. So I don't think that people. I don't, so so for me, there are some people who are very negative on the U.S. economy. And they, they haven't changed their minds. And we're going to see economic data, I think, that's going to show the economy slowing, but very gradually. So that's, that's the concern, I think. But I, I think you're right that the, right now the debate is between soft landing and reacceleration. And I think the Federal Reserve has fully given like a full endorsement as much as they can of, the, of a soft landing. So, Mark, where do you stand in that whole debate? Because, look, there's always going to be people poking holes in the data on the good side and on the bad side. Depending on what that data is, there's always going to be people saying that the markets are in for a hard time. And there's always going to be the bulls saying, oh, bull markets climb a wall of worry. Where do you stand on not just the will we have a recession, let's say, within a year, but how markets will do during that time? Yeah, so here's, here's what I'm thinking is that the uh, fourth quarter of last year, U.S. interest rates fell too far. And we've corrected here in the first six weeks or so of the year. And I think that correction is just about over. And I think that next week's economic data could help like solidify that it's over. And I'm looking at two numbers in particular next week that should confirm this. One of them is CPI and the median forecast on Bloomberg among the economists that Bloomberg surveyed, 2.9% year-over-year headline CPI. That's an incredibly low number. It's the lowest number in several years. And breaking that 3% threshold should be one of those things that boosts the Fed's confidence that inflation is headed towards its target, which brings forward then that rate hike that the market keeps pushing further and further back in time. We also will get next week retail sales. Retail sales is important because it's a, it's a measure of consumption, not full consumption. It's about 40% or so of U.S. PCE, 
personal consumption expenditures. But it's a timely number. It's mostly goods, not so many services. And we could see a contraction, partly because of the weakness in auto sales we've already seen. So we could see a 0.1, 0.2% decline in retail sales, coupled with the softer inflation number, should help, again, boost the Fed's confidence, boost the market's confidence about the Fed's confidence that inflation is on its way to its target. And maybe that suggests that we don't have to really write down more of a chance, reduce the chances of a May cut. And people are beginning to shift to, to June and this might help bring us back into a May cut. Well, Mark, just one more question on the Fed's 2% inflation target. I think a big change in the narrative at that 60 Minutes interview that Powell gave with Scott Pelley was he asked him directly, he asked Jerome Powell, are you committed to getting all the way to 2% inflation before you cut rates? And Jerome Powell said, no, no, that's not what we say at all. No, we're committed to returning inflation to 2% over time. I've said we wouldn't wait to get to 2% to cut rates. Now, that is a different message than they gave the markets last year, where they said they want to see it at 2% and sustainably at 2% for a period of time. Now it seems like they are willing to cut rates before it gets to 2%, as long as the trend is going that direction You mentioned regional banks could be one of the things that would get them to cut early. But really, right now, what impetus do they have to even cut by May when everything is going so well in the economy? Yeah, so, Shad, I think two points I'd say is, one, I'd point out that the Federal Reserve's summary of economic projections, and you can find this on the Internet, the Fed publishes this every quarter. And the Fed has said for over a year now they've projected rate cuts in 2024 before the inflation target is reached. So to me, the fact that the the idea is that monetary policy acts with a lag. And so if you wait till we get 2% inflation, it's already too late to begin cutting and to try to remember the Fed's goal is here is using monetary policy to try to make sure, try to boost the chances that we can avoid a recession. So that means cutting interest rates before you're at your target because the rates have a lagged effect on the economy. So I don't think that's the big change here. I think the tension is between the Federal Reserve saying three cuts this year and the market having priced in six cuts, maybe a little bit more than six cuts at the end of last year. And once again, it's like, who's going to move first? How how are the two views going to converge? And last year, several times, we saw where the markets got too far ahead of the Fed and would converge with the Fed rather than the Fed converging with the markets. This time, I think the Fed... uh, as as of December, had three cuts priced in into their forecast, the summary of economic projections. And I think that there's going to be a convergence around four cuts. And that would allow for a May cut. Uh, but I'm 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 still I'm still not convinced that they cut in May. But I think that, that this is still a fluid issue. But I, I think that there's a very little chance that the Fed stands pat all year. I think that the quality of the growth. I mean, it's, it's hard to know, right? We're still early in the quarter, uh, too early for the Atlanta Fed's tracker to be very useful. But it's above three percent. I think that the Bloomberg uh, uh, medium view uh, for Q1 is about a one percent growth. So we have to see how the numbers play out. That's why next week's numbers are important. It'll be the first sign of how the consumer is doing in the new year. All right, Mike, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your assessment, first and foremost, on the banking sector tied in with real estate in the U.S. And now, again, still what everyone's waiting for is that Fed rate cut. Why, when, and how many this year? 
We won't know until we're at the end of the year, but boy, oh boy, it's a guessing game for everybody on pretty much a daily basis, too. So, Mark, thank you again for your time. Just as a reminder, you can follow along with Mark's market and economic commentary on his website, Mark2Market. Everyone, thanks for tuning in on this weekend show. Please go back through our website, kereport.com, and podcast The KE Report, as well as our new YouTube page, The KE Report, to catch up on all of our daily editorials and company updates, as well as full market weekend show recordings. Everyone, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. For our upcoming appearance schedule, visit kereport.com. The Corlin Economics Report will be back in just a moment. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Who listens to radio at night? EMTs, truck drivers, law enforcement, and many other hardworking people just like you, buying products and services from companies just like yours. Many companies owe their success to radio. It's the engaging medium. Call 877-996-4327 or email advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com.